This is the Content Recruiter Podcast. This is the part where the listeners hear some clever editing. Welcome to episode 15 of the Content Recruiter, Nate. 15. 15. All right. We are. We are on fire. Um, Are you well this week? How are you? Yeah, I'm well. Not as well as you. It sounds like you had some more days off than me. Yeah, we had some um, (laughs) Easter break. We had some good fun at the weekend. I I was telling Nate before that I accidentally destroyed all of the ligaments in my left foot after getting slightly drunk. So that was good. Um, Yeah. Hey, the pod is... um... The pod's uh, gaining some traction. The pod is gaining some traction. Um, what, three weeks to your appealing, appearing live on Ellen DeGeneres to talk about the state of recruitment? <laughs> I have to make that relevant to the US market because that's where yeah. all of our listeners are because of you. So <clears throat> we have I don't to know. Right? <laughs> Another week, Nate, a short week in the UK. We've got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, after the Easter break, it's probably going to be out a week later, actually. So people are going to be um, listening to this and reminisce, reminiscing about the Easter break. But a new week, and we've got a few things to get through. We're going to talk about how we feel about LinkedIn as of today. We are going to talk about um, startup hiring, and we're also going to talk about um, our pitch up tech. Uh, oh, sorry, our recruiter pitch up event, which came out of nowhere and has gained some momentum, which is um, which is amazing. But also, we're going to talk through where we're at with that, what the future plans are, and what we want it to become. Yes, that sounds good. Cool. Before okay. we do that, um, the architect, the creator, and the founder of Recruiting Brain Food, Mr. Hung Lee, mm-hmm. um, posted something on their Facebook group, I think it was yesterday, web scraping... And I'm dropping this on you because this wasn't part of our chat before this recording to talk about what we're actually going to be recording about. So I just want to get your initial reaction. Web scraping is legal. The a US appeals court reaffirms. So good news for archivists. I don't know what they are. Archivists, academics, researchers, and journalists Scraping publicly accessible data is legal according to a U.S. appeals court ruling. Doesn't mention recruiters, but that's obviously big news for recruiters who seem to be scraping every platform in the history of platforms to go and get candidate data. So that ain't going away soon, is it? Nope. Scrapey McScrapes in, huh? Yeah, really. I mean, <laughs> Outbound, Outbound is here to stay. Yeah. Yay. Um, thoughts? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of like I feel like we just like in the in the world of of recruiting, it just seems like that's the game. That's it. It's just like it, like find the most clever way to what? It's not. It doesn't even have to be clever anymore. But like the the cleverest way to get somebody's contact information and somehow send them a message. Yeah. It's like, it's like, where, where, like, where's that message going to go? And 
I don't know. It's, it just doesn't seem like anything is getting more creative. And, you know, we, you and I talk about this stuff, like, you know, when we're not recording and sometimes we kind of throw up our hands and go like, is this just it? Yeah, well, yeah. Like, where do we go from it? What I find interesting is actually, um, there's actually not an awful lot of comments on here about how recruiters feel, which surprised me because I thought the recruitment community would be really, really excited by this. Um, but there's also no comments around how candidates feel about it. How do they feel about the data being scraped? Because that's what matters, isn't it? It doesn't yeah. matter that data being scraped is now le- is continuing to be legal. It matters that, that how do people feel about it? The whole scraping word just makes me feel uncomfortable. It just makes me... Um, yeah, it is. It's kind of a visceral word. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, you know, that's it. So here, okay, let, let's... Uh, Let's, I, w- I want to flow this, this idea into this thing that I thought about. I, I posted about this today. Yeah. Okay. No. And, it, and it was about startup recruiting. And, um, you, know, you know, there's like, I actually got into this like great DM exchange with this head of talent at a, I think he, he just joined about like 150 person Series B startup, like that kind of range, you know? Um, and he's been at some like, you know, some later stage companies and stuff. And uh, so he, he last week, he and I got into this like DM exchange. Great chat that we had going on. And he said, you know, like we, we hear about these like big tech companies doing these like kind of like what feel like overnight layoffs. You know, it's like you hear about these like Zoom mass firings and, and a bunch of people now are suddenly like flooding the market. And then you have these like lists, right? That circulate around these layoff lists that become like, the friggin' poacher's dream. And, um, but he said to me, he goes, you know, you get these 10% or whatever workforce layoffs. Why is it still so hard to hire? Like, because, because suddenly there's people who need jobs. And so that got me thinking. And so my post today was actually a version of the message that I wrote him back. And I said, the thing that that startups, these high growth startups need to realize is that anybody who's worked in tech for a period of time, who's like mid to senior level has been put through this ringer of what working for tech companies actually is so many times now that, that whether you like it or not, your startup is being run through the filter of I've been burned before. How do I stop it from happening again? Because whether you like it or not, you might, you might say, but we're different. Our culture's different. We don't operate like those other companies. It doesn't matter because on the surface, you look just like they do. You are, you are sitting here and you're promoting. We've raised massive amounts of money. We're growing really fast. We're hiring like crazy. Our founders are X, Y, and Z. And you know what? All of those selling points are the same selling points that those candidates had when they joined the other company or the company before it and have been inside of these like toxic cultures and this like growth that is just so unreasonable and VCs breathing down their neck and founders stressed out and all this kind of shit. And so now like tech workers are like, fuck it. Like, especially the ones who've been in the game for a while, dude, they make really, really good money. Um, They've banked some of that money they can have, they can take some time off. 
They can be more flexible. They can work on projects. They can do work that they actually care about. And they're getting, I think a lot of them are getting to the point of like, hey, I just got laid off. I don't want to just go jump back in and work for the next like high growth startup, but doing the fanciest whatever anymore. Because you know what? That shit that used to be appealing like early in their career now is like starting to be a turnoff. Totally agree. And I don't know, I, I, but you know what, like, sorry, I, I'll, I'm going to let you jump in here in a second. But if you think about like the, the positioning that these high growth startups are putting out into the world, it's all of those signals that to candidates might actually mean red flag, fucking hit the brakes. Like, I don't know if I want to go back into that world. And they're sitting here going like, oh, come join us. We just read this big round by Andreessen Horowitz. And they're just like, I just got laid off by an Andreessen Horowitz company or whatever. Sorry to throw them under the bus, but. What's your, um, you haven't been laid off before, personally? Uh, laid off, no. I never, I've never been laid off. But, but I've been fired, but not laid off. I uh, should dig into why I got fired in one episode. Oh, be a good yeah. episode we um i haven't been laid off either but i'm trying to put myself into the shoes of someone who has been laid off like how are they feeling they're feeling stressed nervous probably anxious they don't want to make the wrong move again because it's gonna like i'm giving the whole um air speech marks over here they, they feel like they're going to be in a vulnerable position if they make another wrong career move, right? Mm -hmm. So those lists that you talk about, it, it's almost... Yeah, and I think it's great that companies try to help them out. So better, I know it's better, I've made another group of, of redundancies on the 19th, it got reported in TechCrunch, so better.com have, have, have gone through that redundancy thing again. They're not the only ones, sorry to call them out. Um, and I hope the people are good, but they create this list of the people that have been married on that you talk about. It's almost like a bit like human trafficking, isn't it? It's like, Hey, you're going to end up here. Hey, here's a list of people go and grab them. It's like, do these people not want to make their own decisions on the type of companies they want to speak to and they want to join? And to your point, do they want to be in that world again of super high growth startup phase where they've got every, um, fast growing company in the planet reaching out to them or do they actually want a few weeks off are they in a position to take a couple of months off like do they want to be put on this kind of list I don't know um, I always worry about those things and I'm probably I overthinking it I think they're probably like it's just the company trying to do the right thing isn't it really trying to connect people to the right opportunities but um, without knowing what opportunities the people want it just feels very here have this human kind of vibe Makes feel you know, yeah it does and uh i i i just don't i don't know if companies who are so eager to hire are really thinking about the psychological and the emotional side of it um because because we're we're, <clears throat> we're not just talking about the bummer of somebody just getting laid off and losing their job, right? Like that's its own category of like emotions and, and stress. But what we're talking about is like, how many times has this person, maybe they haven't been directly laid off, 
but how many times have they been in like a high growth environment that is uh, with, with a lot of pressure, Slack messages coming through at all hours, dickhead managers, stressed out coworker, all this kind of like this environment, like how many times have they been like subject to this environment and those experiences layer, layering on top of each other to the point where, you know, they get to this point that it's just like, hmm, maybe I want to think about something different this time. You know, that's like the thing. And so it's like being like real, like thoughtful about that and like having the self-awareness to go that, hey, hey, yeah, this person is suddenly on the market and it's a bummer that they got laid off, but like firing messages now being like, hey, I want to hire you without thinking about like, hey, historically, what has this person been through? Yeah. And, and, you know, when you're talking about this, you know, we speak about this model of subject experts in the feed and connecting the people, yeah. people in the business to potential future candidates. We do that because it tells, it creates a narrative, doesn't it? For people to understand what it's like to work in a business. And it's not so transactional. And I kind of feel like the next move after being laid off, you almost don't want it to feel transactional. You want it to be right. Because you've gone through all this emotional turmoil and stress and your family's stressed. Like in my head, if I was in that position, I'd be thinking the next move has to be the right one for me. I do not want to go through this again. Yeah. Yep. And there's, yeah, there's not enough respect paid to that. But this is why, you know, we, we, we talk about this every week. It's the nature of the show. It's, it's just why we feel like recruitment teams and CEOs have got to do a much better job of, of taking the transactional element out of, out of recruiting because it's not, um, it's not serving anyone, is it? So, yeah, interesting. Um, LinkedIn, how are you? So you see all these messages, you see the layoffs, they're all reported on LinkedIn. Everyone's adding a commentary about how terrible it is, et cetera, et cetera. How are you feeling about the platform at the moment? Yeah, so there's a couple, I think, okay, there's a couple things that have like recently happened. One is, um, you know, it looked LinkedIn, I don't know. You never know what they're experimenting with or like what they're going to, what they're going to keep, uh, which, which I can actually appreciate. Um, but they, they've changed their, one of their metrics to um, from views to impressions, mm. um, which is a different metric, which means that like reporting on video content um, is going to be different. Uh, you know, you're going to, it's actually, it's, it, I think it means that, that, that the, um, the signals that your videos are doing well are going to increase, um, you know, in the past, like, because an impression is measured differently than a view. And, um, you know, historically it was like post video content, knowing that your post just isn't going to do as well. Yeah. Right. The yeah. algorithm for some reason fights against it. And like the views are going to be low um, unless you're Chris Walker, who, who apparently has like somehow, skipped that part and like his posts do better than people's written posts but um he did drop them at one point his videos yeah did. yeah he did yeah you're right you're right but um but they've changed it to impressions hmm. i saw this guy's post man and he you know and he's like oh gosh okay i got a couple things to say i gotta write i gotta write some things. before we last wrong question chris walker by the way he has yes. he 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 is becoming one of the most transformational voices in marketing today. Like I'm seeing people from different sectors now and recruitment, uh, you know, I think Megan Bowen is, is um, running a 
how recruitment can learn from demand gen podcast with a, a tech vendor over here in Europe. Oh, really? Yeah, webinar. So she's appearing on that. She's great as well, by the way. She really um, is. You know, you know Megan already. Um, I've never spoken to her, to her but uh, you can just tell she's she's a different class. Um, but yeah, you, you just, it's funny, you kind of see all the terminology that that Chris uses is kind of given other marketers permission to say, hold up, this is like, what we've been doing is, is wrong. We know it's wrong, but now it's been called out. It's almost like, it almost feels like pan, the pandemic vibe where everyone was going to the office in the suit and not really like complaining about it. And then suddenly something happened and everyone's gone, why did we do that? <laughs> it's almost brought the same thing. He's gone, why are we doing this? And then uh, everyone just stops and take stock again it's like the great reset of marketing or something but um i'm all for it definitely i think i think you guys done a great job and um yeah he's given he's given other people permission to talk anyway onwards we go chris walker fan club hour is over <laughs> it's always a good one Lovely. uh so uh okay okay so um let me see. Uh, I saw this guy's, I saw this guy's post. He was, um, you know, you're seeing a lot more of a TikTok conversation uh, happening on LinkedIn, which is something I want to talk about too. It makes me laugh. But, um, you know, this guy who's like, a, you know, I, I feel like everywhere you look, there's like personal branding, short form video creators, whatever, who are, who's basically like independent consultants who like want people to pay them money to like help them create their brand on LinkedIn. So this guy's posting about the impressions versus views now and how like that means that really short form videos are going to, um, you know, get a lot more engagement and, you know, those are the types of videos you can do. And, I, and I, so I commented on, on his post and I said like, you know, like once again, we're, we're at the race to the bottom. And now all, all we're going to see are these like stupid short form TikTok style videos on LinkedIn, because that's what you're seeing. And he didn't like my comment. He told me to get off my soapbox and like ended up like, did he block me? He might have yeah, but that's, it's not a week if someone isn't fighting with you in the feed, is it? So that, yeah, that... I, it's like, but, but, you know, I'm like, I'm like, okay, here we go. Like, like link, LinkedIn does everything to not promote quality content right so so now the incentive is is different so now it's like okay so they're gonna so so now people are going to be creating more video but they're going to be creating the wrong kinds of video they're going to be creating now the the video version of the hand wavy stupid ass written posts that we all hate you know the ones that get like tons and tons of engagement and applause, whatever, they're just going to be doing those style videos now. And, uh, and, and now I'm seeing like so many people talking about TikTok, everything in the feed. And it's just like, I sometimes, man, I really try hard to, to find good stuff to like, maybe put a good comment on or get me thinking differently and all this kind of stuff. And like, it is, it was hard two years ago. It feels like it's damn near impossible now. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, maybe it's just my little world of, the, of, of what I'm seeing on LinkedIn, but it's just like, I feel like the, it is just at a nosedive. Yeah, I, I've got to be honest. I haven't discovered many people in the last six months who I really like. I'm thinking about this now. Whose content I see and think, hmm. Yeah, 
I, I, yeah, it's interesting. That's a really interesting point. Link, LinkedIn for me is now becoming like a, it's almost like another distribution channel for every other every other social platform out there. Like people just fucking cross scream. posting. Oh, dude! dude if I screenshots the, of their tweets. Just saying, I've just got screenshots of tweets. Like I'm all for repurposing content, but that for me just feels incredibly lazy incredibly lazy screenshots of tweets and re, yeah. re, reposting tiktok videos with literally the tiktok logo in the in the corner like just all the time sharing it back to the linkedin feed um like i i, I i'm all for it but i think if people are the, you know there's a guy that i used to read about um quite a lot actually he was probably probably the most inspiration for me for content marketing and the power of it and that's the, the the guy who's coined for like creating the phrase content marketing this guy called joe Polizzi, yeah. and he talks about um having this obsession with one platform for like 12 to 18 months just zoning on one platform for 12 to 18 months build the audience and then start to move on or um, monetize or whatever but that doesn't seem to happen now does it and i do also wonder whether Focusing on two or three platforms is because it crosses my mind a lot. Like I'm sat here and I go, should I really be bothered with LinkedIn anymore? It's a bit of a painful platform to look at. TikTok's far more engaging. Do you just create videos for TikTok? Um, but part of me goes back to his advice, just like stick on one platform, stick on one platform, build the audience. And when you look at all the other creators, they've done the same, actually. The most successful creators have just shown up regularly on, on one platform, haven't they, for a period of time? Um, but yeah, I, I, I think I'd only ever do it. I think I'd go onto different platforms when I've got the energy and the time to create content natively for that platform and not just yeah. distribute shit tweets. Yeah. So like, okay, then, okay. This is, this is important. This is, um, because, uh, I let, let's just stick with Chris Walker or refine labs or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Um, refine labs, like I think has this this really great policy of if you join if you join our company and you want to post publicly you have the freedom to do that and we're not going to tell you what to post um you do you right and like you know obviously like you you know you see number a number of their team members posting things about demand gen and marketing and things like that but then you also see some members of their team who veer off that path a little bit, which is great. You know, I mean, it's all, it's all personality, you know, it's, it's really, it's good. Um, I like this idea of like Chris, for example, Chris like dominates LinkedIn, like that's his channel. Right. Um, but if he has, if somebody on his team is really into, let's say TikTok or, Twitter or like, I don't know what Instagram or whatever. And like, that's where they spend their time doing the, you know, they spend the amount of time that he spends on LinkedIn, but just in another platform. I think that's awesome. Um, and you know what the insights you can get as a company on other platforms is like pretty cool too. Um, I just like, I don't know. I'm not a fan of like this crossing over. Again, like for me, if you're going to do it, do it. Do it, yeah. Do it well. Create content for that specific platform. And, and, and you know, Chris is, um, has openly admitted that, like, in the early days, his TikTok hasn't performed 
as well as he'd wanted to. And so I think I heard on one of his podcasts a couple of months ago that he was starting to think about other other stories that he could tell, like the entrepreneurial journey that he's going through, for example. And that would be the content for TikTok. Yeah, because so, it's like it, because it's a different environment. It's a different audience and they want to hear different types of. Yeah, but isn't this what the sure. best marketers do? Yes. They look at the platform in isolation. They don't just grab a screenshot of a tweet because LinkedIn's algorithm says if you include a picture, then you're going to get more reach, for example. So yeah, I think I think people should look at that. Um, they just people pander to the algorithm though, don't they? Let's be honest. I mean, they do. It's really hard. Yeah, some of the best creators on LinkedIn just they're selling a course for like two hundred ninety nine dollars or whatever, and all they need is reach to get enough enough sales, and they're quite happy, aren't they? Um, yeah. One so. Guy, really sticks out like a sore thumb for that but anyway um yeah. uh, i want to apologize to everybody listening to us ramble through that i think like uh i think it's interesting though isn't it it is i mean the 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 thing that i'm like most fascinated by and i this is like where where i wish i had a really like a big team or a, i wish i had a team that was more than just me you know where i could do do, do some of these other things where like just give somebody you know, free reign to go explore other, other platforms and, you know, like other channels and just like do some different things and then kind of like report back and, and experiment with it. And, and, you know, like here, like just to tie this all into recruiting. Yeah. I mean, there's a, a recruiting team should be doing what we're talking about. There's no reason not to like, I, like ahead of, ahead of TA, can, you know, think about this, like, okay. So if we look at a co- at companies who are doing this, well, it started with like a senior leader, usually with a founder or CEO or somebody who, who kind of led the way, but like, you know, I I've said this before that like, nobody's going to do it for a recruiting team. Like you can't just like wait for an employer brand person or a marketing team or whatever to like suddenly care about the content that you need for your, for your, for your recruiting efforts. And so a recruiting team needs to think of themselves as like this little, like this little creative team, you know? And so like a head of talent should be leading the charge. And it seems like LinkedIn would be the obvious place to do that. And like to establish themselves as like a thought leader or subject matter expert in the, in the world that they operate in, which is like recruiting and talent acquisition. And you can get very tangential with those topics, but then their recruiting team, letting their recruiting team off the leash and being like, Hey, does somebody have an interest in Instagram or TikTok or Twitter or whatever? And like, do you want to spend the next, like, you know, three months focusing on that platform and then like reporting back to the team, like what, what's working and what isn't working. And some of us will do LinkedIn and man, what I, it, it just seems like it's right there. It does. And you know what the, the, the fucking argument against that is? Mm. Well, we don't have the time to do it. And we have to hire a bunch of people. And so when are we going to have time to go and do this? And, it, and like, I can't. Like, uh, I don't know. When, when I hear that, my mind instantly says, but if you had more people, surely you'd have more time to do it. Is like, that the problem? No, I think that's the the. The whole point is that if you did it, you would hire the people that you're saying oh. give you the time back. So what comes first, the hire or the time? I don't know. 
the chicken or the egg, Nate? Yeah. I, yeah, um, I don't think it's a time problem, to be honest. No, I agree with you. I think it's, um, I think there are a few more issues before that. Let's talk very quickly before we wrap up uh, about the recruiter pitch event. So some backstory and context. Nate's company um, was going through this uh, pitch event for the investor pitch event, right? So they were pitching to investors about early stage investment into BYA. And we sat on a podcast and we said, hmm, why wouldn't you do that for recruitment? Why wouldn't you do that? Could this be the evolution of a conventional job ad? By the way, I think this week is the week that I'm going to lose it with job ads because I don't, I, I, I'm just not a huge fan of them at all. But I think they serve such a tiny percentage of the market that you can actually reach over a period of time yeah. um, that they're just not that. I think people pay way too much attention to the effectiveness of job ads for people like software engineers and developers and coders. Like you go away, write choppy copy, you'll get more applications. No, you probably won't because they're not actually looking at job ads. Unless you're an incredibly strong brand, realistically, is a job ad going to do much, much, much more? Or does the education start way before they seek the ad? I think it starts way before personally. But anyway, um, so you're like, hey, what if this recruiter pitch event could become almost a new version of a job ad, a job ad with context where you're actually connecting with some subject experts that are talking talking to you about the business, the product, the process. And so we... um, on the fly, kind of, decided to uh, put it out there that we were going to do this recruiter pitch event. And so it built some momentum, didn't it, in the first, in the first week? And we got like four, four really good companies coming back and saying, yeah, we'd love to get involved with this. Actually, there's a few more. There's, there's five or six, but a couple of them are in the UK, and we're going to hold off on the UK event for now and just do the US one, right? Yeah. So um, there are some really, really cool companies coming to join us. So who we got? We've got Boundless. Boundless, we have um, Hilton. Hilton. We got Clover. Oh yeah, Clover Health. They're a big one. Um, and we have Form Labs. Form Labs. Yep. So, so some some cool companies there, and they are basically they're hiring for their internal TA team. They're going to come along and do a pitch to talk about what's good about their business, why you should join their recruiter tech stack, and all these cool things. Um, and we. Like, where does this go, Nate? What, what? Could you see this thing? Where do you see this thing going? Could you see this thing exploding and just being like a new way for people to discover opportunities? Yeah, it would be nice. I, uh, I think that this can, I mean, it, it, this can obviously roll out into like an ongoing series where, you know, we, we focus on like different functions. And I mean, eventually, if it becomes popular enough, we'll have, we'll have companies coming to us asking if they can do a pitch event. We're going to have like, you know, opportunities for, um, you know, to do like sponsors or to have like, you know, somebody host an event basically um, and invite companies. Like think about a VC, you know, hosting an event and then inviting a couple, you know, of their, of their portfolio companies who are hiring for, engineers or for software salespeople or something like that to come in and, you know, promote it and things like that. So I think like, you know, this first one is very much like us figuring out what works and just like giving something a try. But uh, I don't know. It's, it sounds really cool. And like the, the feedback we've gotten so far is that it's a really, it's, it's a really creative idea. You know what I would love to do one day in like either in the States or in, in the UK or in London or wherever 
I would love to have this like recruiter day, which is like an event specifically for recruiters with like lots of live shows on a stage. So you have like an episode of the content recruiter podcast. You've got an episode of like, you know, I did the secret recruiter. So you can have someone like behind a screen talking about their recruitment live. I think that'd be pretty cool. And then you could do like little, the, the, the little recruitment pitches as well. Um, I feel like events are probably gonna go that way. Um, anyway. Yeah, no. So that's coming up. That's cool. If anyone wants to get involved, you are more than welcome to reach out to me or Nate on, um, on LinkedIn. Because we are, we're going to do it May third at twelve o'clock Pacific time, which is uh, eight o'clock UK time and three o'clock Eastern time, and whatever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I actually put Eastern time on the graphics. I thought that was the most popular time in the states, but you correct me if I'm wrong on that. No, it's fine. Uh, and then we're going to start promoting it. I don't know over the next like week and a half. Yeah, couple times. Yeah, exactly. So feel free. Um, to dm me or nate if you want to if you're hiring for a role in ta and you want to you want to get involved with that it's going to be good fun um but for me this week mate that is all i've got for you my friend all right nope that's it for now uh cool cool episode 15 is done we will be back next week episode 16 nate it's been a pleasure all right brother bye bye